Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. Welcome back to Trades Work, where we highlight the issues important to the skilled trades our society depends on and always seeks to put Colorado first. Joining us today is a good friend and colleague, Mike Kopp, President and CEO of Colorado Concern. Mike, welcome to Trades Work. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm familiar with your work, Mike, and you and I worked side by side on some important legislative and key issues here in the state over the last number of years. For anybody unfamiliar with what Colorado Colorado Concern is and does, give us a brief rundown of who you are, who are your members, and what issues you engage in. Colorado Concern, we like to say, is a consortium of chief executives in the state of Colorado across uh, most industries, certainly every major industry in the state. And the distinction for us is you've got to be the senior executive in the state, and you just really have to have a very pro-growth perspective. What our members do as a membership organization is they focus on a strong pro-growth economy for the state of Colorado, particularly as it relates to the public policy environment, uh, much uh, by way of the environment that we all do business in is crafted, deliberated, sometimes concocted, if you will. It's governed by a public policy. And so our perspective is that we like to promote big issues that we think will help everybody in the state, not just business, but really everybody in the state. And so we look for issues that are large, that that are undone, so to speak, uh, that cross multiple industries. If we can succeed at those issues, then they'll have a material benefit, create a material benefit for everybody in the state. So that's a little bit of a high-level viewpoint. We have about 140 members, maybe just a couple Short of that, uh, of course, at any given time, we have a number of people transitioning with retirements and uh, their own career transitions into other parts of the world. Talk to us, like what industries are represented in your membership and has that mixed changed over time? Is it being, you know, kind of more influenced now uh, or do you see more financial services industries as that sector has grown in our state or talk to us a little bit more about Colorado Concern? Well, I know that we're going to be discussing construction, and we do have construction companies. Uh, we have home builders. Uh, we also uh, have people that do development work. And then we have people on the finance side, as you indicated. And, yeah, I think that space is growing in the state and has certainly grown within our own membership. You have more people in the state doing more deals requires more financing, so it's natural. I think that you would have an uptick there. Another area that we've seen some growth in recently is in space. And there's a lot of interest in, it's really exciting, a lot of interest in space in Colorado. And it really could become the nation's space leader if we will uh, really go after it and seek that mantle, really seek to create a, a major space cluster. We have more tech people than we've had in the past. Uh, certainly people in the energy sector as well, healthcare. The one that I would say I would really like to see us grow in is in agriculture. I think it's often somewhat of an underrepresented 
group when it comes to business discussions. And I'm not talking about legislative discussions in the Capitol. They have great advocacy there, but just when it comes to the discussions around headquarters and the things that are important for agriculture companies, that is an area that uh, at Colorado Concern we're going to continue to to give more focus on. But I think we're a pretty well-rounded organization, and we're attempting to grow subjectively as the state grows. And we hope that we'll have a really representative mix of all the major industries in the state. Well, thanks for that context, because it's going to help us as we kind of dive a little bit deeper. So, you know, I've had the uh, honor to work next side of you at the legislature and on, you know, ballot initiatives and other public policy debates and discussions. So what do you consider to be some of your greatest accomplishments in your tenure at Colorado Concern? Well, I would just say I was the lucky guy to be in the position to be sort of a, a cat herder, if you will. And I always thought that if if the members of Colorado Concern, and there are a lot of great trade associations, so I hope that you or others won't take this the wrong way, but I always thought that if we could get our members aligned on any major objective, we could be successful uh, because it, it just represents such a, a great organization of focused leaders, people that care about the state, people that can bring uh, wisdom, uh, specific types of knowledge to the public policy sphere, certainly influence through the many, many relationships that they have, um, as well as resources as needed. Um, you know, sometimes you do things that if you're going to go to the ballot or whatnot, it, it takes a fair amount of resources to do those things. And so in that sense, I've been very lucky to be at Colorado Concern. In, in a state where you have such a diversity of views, even within a given party, we're talking about politics here. When you go after these really big projects, as we've tried to do, these these public policy projects, um, you don't wind up getting exactly the legislation out that you would want, but you can get something very, very good. So I'm very proud of the transportation bill that we were really instrumental in putting together and promoting uh, just a few years ago. It was $5.3 billion. Um, we always had the perspective that if you could just take a targeted list of roads from around the state, roads that would just benefit everybody, uh, put in big projects, uh, you know, in the metro area where they tend to cost a lot of money, put in smaller projects, maybe widening projects, shoulder projects, surface projects, and really create for yourself a prioritized list. If you had that list and you could conceive of a way to fund that list in a way that that would work politically, because it's really the way it's got to come about, then I always felt that you had a recipe for success. And after really watching somewhat of a dysfunctional public policy space in road building and transportation for about 20 years, dysfunctional at the Capitol anyway, it kind of dawned on us that maybe an approach that you could do is try to create a middle and see if you can engage Republicans with what has been their long cherished viewpoint of paying for roads, paying for new projects out of existing revenues, money that the state already collected, and then match that. They weren't in charge of, of the House or the Senate. They didn't have the governor's race, the governor's seat, of course. So they weren't going to get to have their full say, but take something that was a very strong held belief 
uh, of the Republicans and match it with a very strong held belief of the Democrats, which was, you know, you ought to create a new funding stream. And you can you can see right away where you're going to have disagreements of opinion. But it wound up working. At the end of the day, uh, we wound up with a bill that was directly responsible, for example, for getting the Floyd Hill project underway, uh, leading up out of Denver. Uh, it was a $700 million project. It's going to take quite a while to roll out, but the bill would not have moved forward had it not been for this. And we, as a practical matter, we hope that it will reduce uh, the amount of time that people um, are losing to traffic as they go to and from the mountains. But really more importantly, we hope that it will reduce commute times and improve safety from around the state and, and improve road conditions to the point where people's cars are, aren't being beaten up uh, the way that they have been. We saw studies where the average home was spending close to $2,000 a year on road maintenance problems. You, if you have an all-wheel drive car and you hit a really bad pothole and it takes one tire out, well, that, that means you need four new tires, you know, $1,500 or whatever the case may be. So I am proud of that. From a public policy perspective, it's kind of one of those bills that's easy to criticize, and I I could easily join in some of the criticism. It's not exactly the bill I would want if I were king, but much of it is. But at the end of the day, it, it wound up being something that is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people around the state, and I think we're very proud of that. Another one, Dave, actually you and I worked on this one as well several years ago. There was a construction uh, litigation reform uh, effort that had been underway for many years, and we just took a, a slightly different methodological approach to it. You know, by the end of the 2017 session, we had all come together to draft a bill that would provide protections for homeowners, uh, but also make sure that just home building in the multifamily space um, had a chance to succeed so we could build more units, we could build more affordable product. And we took a big step. Now it's time to take another step, incidentally, but you and I know that that was a long, long war that went on for four or five years, and I was really proud of the breakthrough we got there. I think we had uh, a unanimous vote in the legislature. Maybe we lost one vote. I guess I'm proud of the impact that we had in this respect. We worked really hard to just create a center or a place where both Republicans and Democrats could work together and, and try to create solutions for some of the big challenges that are facing us. And we always like to say that the only requirement to get into that space was just to be intellectually honest about about really what was possible from a political standpoint. And I think we had a, a good run there and I think we left a really nice mark. Well, both very difficult conversations and, you know, you were at the center of both of those and uh, Colorado Concern played a key role, uh, obviously, in the success of those and, and many others, probably too too many to count. But so let's now switch and talk about challenges. And I know that when I ask the question, you can probably think of three or four, but let's focus on one. What do you, you know, what are the challenges ahead for the business community here in Colorado? And what, what do you think the one issue we ought to be keeping our eye on would be? If I could name two, there are, there's an energy in our political system right now that is patently hostile to business, you know, sort of questioning the value of, of free enterprise and right. private property. 
rights and interests. And it's a real trend that is moving through, you know, these populist times that we have in the country. And so I think writ large, that is going to be uh, an incredible challenge. I was in a seminar uh, a few years ago and the speaker was saying, you know, these populist movements and upheavals, uh, they can they can take 10 to 30 years to try to sort of work their way through this system. So I think that one is one that is going to require a lot of dexterity on the part of the business community. And also really one that is going to require mounting just a, a clear and a, and a wholesome and a winsome uh, defense and a advocacy for the power of free enterprise uh, and the power of uh, the ability to earn a great living um, and the power of private private property ownership. Uh, these, these are hallmarks of the American system that has made our economy truly the envy of the world. Another one that is probably less abstract and easier to get your hands around or to get one's hands around, I should say, is just the regulatory state. We are seeing more and more legislatures around the country and in Colorado in particular exhibiting a willingness to draft these very broad bills with tremendously broad uh, mandates. And what they do is they they hand the authority over to regulators. Then regulators begin their work of creating rules. And then it's these rules that businesses must comply with. And there are a host of Host of problems with that, but but one of them is just the sheer complexity for most people, sort of that inhabits that that regulatory space. It just becomes very difficult for them to understand what is going on. It's very difficult for them to cost it out and sort of fathom what, what the impact of these negative rules are going to be. And there there certainly must be a better way. But uh, the, just one quick example, and this is. This is a bill that continues to have new rulemakings um, as a result of its passage a few years ago. It, it literally gives one of the regulatory agencies effective rulemaking power in every realm of human enterprise in the state of Colorado as it deals with emissions. And bills like that with that type of broad authority are really going to cause a lot of a lot of economic challenges and problems for people. So these are two big projects that I think it's important for the business community to undertake. As you consider the future of business in Colorado, how important will the skilled trades be to our success and prosperity and why? Oh, I think it's absolutely critical. Construction is what gives us a place to live. It's what gives us a place to train our children. Uh, it's what gives us roads to drive on. It's what gives us places to work. You want to talk about an on-demand uh, set of skills. Uh, I did some research on this, Dave, and uh, there's some things I didn't know in terms of the, the multiplied power of what skilled trades accomplish. But I was thinking about the, the well-known national housing shortage that we have in the U.S., Freddie Mac uh, estimates that there are basically 3.8 million more new households being formed than there are homes or apartments uh, being built for them. So it just tells you the, the demand is going to be extraordinary as we just try to catch up with that, let alone contemplate population growth that is going to go beyond that. One statistic that 
I was looking at as a general rule, it says if you build a hundred homes, that creates $28.7 million in local income. In addition, it creates $3.6 million in revenues to local governments. It literally is at the bedrock of nearly everything. Even if you're, even if you're running a tech firm, you need a facility, which means you need builders, which means you need skilled trades. So I, I think people contemplating um, a career in the trades are going to be busy as far as the eye can see, and they're going to make good money. And we we think so, too. We know we need 50,000 more construction workers by 2030 in the last economic study that we did, uh, and we're in process of updating that currently. And so clearly there's a demand for it, and all you have to do is look around our cities or skylines and start to see all the activity uh, that's taking place. Yeah, to your point, in January of 2013, we had 120,000 construction workers in Colorado. In January of 2023, so 10 years, we had 179,800 construction workers in the state. The state continues to grow. In fact, I reflect back on that period of time, and you think about backlogs on transportation. We already talked about that. Uh, You talk about backlogs in multifamily space and even in single-family space. Uh, On top of uh, the new demand, I think it's just going to be a wonderful career for people to have. But at the macro level, it's just so critical that we get these jobs filled uh, with good people that would like to take advantage of a great livelihood and help build society. Absolutely. So I want to turn topics and subjects just for a second. I worked with you for a number of years, and recently uh, you indicated that your time at Colorado Concern is going to conclude uh, and that you're stepping down. You're starting to, I think, look as an organization uh, for who's next and my cop for what's next. And so talk to us a little bit about that and give us a reflection on how that process came about and or how it sits with you today. I've had such a wonderful time at Colorado Concern that it's not without its difficulties, like emotionally, to step down. I've made great friendships. We've It's, it's just deeply fulfilling work for me because you can undertake really big projects and you can you can get those rolling without a tremendous amount of difficulty. Uh, it's just really rewarding to sort of be lucky enough to be in in that position. Um, but having said all that, you know, for me, it, it was really simple. I'm 23 years old, Dave. As you know, you're much older than I am. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I'm a little older than 23. And I look, I decided that my... My objective is to work till I'm 75. I'm a long ways from 75. Uh, you know, as I look at it, I say, well, there are other things I want to do. Then you have to ask the inevitable question. Okay, well, when are you going to get after it? You know, for me at Colorado Concern, we typically are engaged in projects that just take many months uh, to work through, sometimes years. And I looked ahead both at what was kind of in my own heart and at our own workload and I realized that we weren't really in a lull. I don't know if we ever really have a lull, but we weren't in the middle of a big ballot issue or a legislative session or what have you. So, no, I just determined that the timing was really good. I'm very excited. My next stop will be in the private sector, and it's a little too early to probably say much about that except for the fact that I was very lucky to work around so many incredible 
business leaders that became friends and frankly mentors of mine that it sort of cast a spell on me. I'm really ready to embark on really a whole new chapter in my own life and career in private business. So you can have me on in a year and we'll we'll talk about what I'm doing. I'm around for a little while still. I'm I'm going to help my organization with the transition. So I'll be here till close to the end of the year. As I said, I, I feel grateful and I also feel really uh, excited at the same time. Well, I've admired the work for a lot of years and count you as a good colleague and uh, we've worked on some difficult things together and I've watched you work on things that are probably more difficult uh, than most take on. So it's certainly a big loss for Colorado Concern. I'm sure they feel that way and uh, I'm excited to see what your next challenge is. So what's the biggest lesson or insight you're going to take away from leading Colorado Concern? I think it has to be the power of adopting a singular focus. And it's not truly a singular focus, but as relates to an objective. So it's kind of two parts. It's adopting a singular focus as a result of being convinced that you're on the right track, just totally convinced, like unshakably convinced. And being willing to say no to a lot of things in order to fully avail yourself of what you're trying to do. For me, and maybe this is just my own approach, for me, I just thought that the things that we took on were complex enough and difficult enough that it just required more of a singular focus. I I guess the reason I say all this is because politics is a very noisy affair, as you know, and there's a a lot of points of distraction and, and they're not all bad. Some are distractions you want, but the timing may be bad, you know, to take on those distractions. It takes a, a fair amount of nerve to just stick with it because you could fail at the end. I think what was most rewarding is that we did stick with those things and invariably uh, wound up on the winning side. I think it was because of that factor. And I guess the drive to tune out the world and focus on our or one or two objectives that we had working at any given time. So uh, the last is a kind of a curveball question. If you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you'll you'll know. But I like to ask everybody. You know, Mike Cop didn't uh, come into this world and as a young elementary school person say, "I'm you know I'm going to go run Colorado Concern." What did Mike Cop uh, want to be when he grew up? <laughs> It is a fun question. It makes you think back a little bit. Truthfully, I can recall three things. So one of those was I was going to be a professional running back for the Dallas Cowboys. I was uh, playing tackle football on my junior high uh, football team, and I just decided that I would be the perfect replacement for Tony Dorsett the Dallas Cowboys, and that's one thing I was going to do. When I went into my sophomore year of high school, I was about five foot six and I think 95 pounds. (laughs) So I realized that probably wasn't going to work. The other one, I distinctly remember sitting in my sixth grade class with Mrs. Seeley at Norwood Heights Elementary School thinking I'm going to be a bull rider. And um, I did become a bull rider and I, I wound up becoming pretty good at it in college. I was looking at the possibility of going pro. I'm really glad I didn't attempt that pathway. And the other one I wanted to do is I wanted to become Army Ranger. And I can't say exactly how or when I decided I want to be a soldier, but I remember distinctly the the moment that I decided I was going to be a Ranger. And 
I was, I think, 13. So I was able to do that. Two of three. Well, that's good. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. Well, and if the if the Cowboys call, I'm always ready. Okay. Well, Mike, that concludes our time today. Thank you very much for being so generous and coming on the show and for your time. Thanks, Dave. It was a real pleasure. And um, I've enjoyed your friendship and your mentorship and camaraderie all these years as well. So thank you. Mike, that's the neighborhood chihuahua. You're not going to get rid of me. Be barking and following along. Anyway, folks, so that concludes our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for more industry insights, news, information about the women and men building our communities, building our skylines, and building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.